I'm Andrew Faust here at the Center for Bioregional Living with Permaculture Perspectives today. And I really appreciate you listening. You know, today what I'm going to talk about is a familiar theme to my audience, which is going to be the economy. And this really lowbrow attention span that the U.S. media has to this subject of the economy. You know, it's at the psychophants in the media who just are corporate little wag-the-tail characters. They all seem to think that we as Americans, you know, we're really concerned about inflation and cost of living and how much gas is. Meanwhile, we're not concerned that our children are growing up in a country where the air's polluted, the water's polluted, and all the jobs suck. I mean, could we get real for a second? People have this notion that in some way it has to do with other, you know, we've got Democrats or Republicans in office. I mean, give me a break. Talk about two sides of the same coin. These cats have all been in the back pocket of corporate weapons contractors ever since they started to run their campaign. The reality is that all of the U.S. presidents have been nothing but warmongers. They've all believed in imperialism. And if you expect the U.S. government to do anything that actually benefits all of the people all of the time, not just some of the people some of the time, well, then you're deluded. And that doesn't mean I don't engage in our political process. I do. I'm actually the chair of the Town of Waborsing Democratic Committee, believe it or not. So as a apolitical radical who believes that the entire political system is corrupt, I still engage with it because it's one of the few paltry little mechanisms that's dribbled down to me as a plebeian to in some way participate in some flim-flam show that ultimately may add up to nothing that I give a modicum of attention to given that I see it as something that largely is vacuous and meaningless. What has meaning is sharing, caring, giving back more than you take, being a good person, and living down the reprehensible behavior of your ancestors. You know, as a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male, I am embarrassed of my heritage. White male heritage is so sodden with inequity, culpability, contamination, murder, to name a few. And what it is that we really need today in the world is an entirely new economy. An economy that's actually by the people and for the people, not an economy that's by the corporations and for the corporations. And the economy and the government of the United States is owned by the corporatocracy. And if you think otherwise, then you're just not paying attention. And what it is that we need to pay attention to is follow the money. And when you do that, you'll see that it leads you right to 
multi-billion dollar weapons contracts. And you'll see that in fact that's why the U.S. built enough atomic bombs during the Reagan years to blow up the entire planet 11 times over. Just like in Spinal Tap, they weren't comfortable with their amps just going to 10. They wanted to go to 11. And so, the Department of Defense and the weapons contractors in their infinite wisdom have built so many nuclear bombs that now we're sitting on a powder keg of something that is, oh, quite dangerous? Is dangerous an adequate word for that? Mm, let me see. I would suggest that, in fact, insidiously nightmarish, every single one of the nuclear power plants that exists on the planet is an insidious nightmare. There is no intelligent way to characterize a nuclear power plant other than a ticking time bomb whose contamination legacy is an inevitability. It's simply a matter of how bad and how much is that radioactive waste going to get out and get into the water, the air, the soil, and the bodies of all beings on planet Earth. In fact, according to the Swedish National Institute for Radiological Protection, SNRP, Two satellites that were sent into orbit around the planet, just two, there are many hundreds of satellites orbiting the planet, but two of them that re-entered the Earth's atmosphere that were made in the 1960s and were incinerated in the upper atmosphere actually blanketed the entire planet in plutonium. So that SNRP estimates that everywhere on planet Earth has been contaminated with a little trace amount of that gift that is a man-made Promethean concoction that never existed before on the planet. Uranium did, but plutonium did not. And in order to create plutonium, the physicists who were working on this, who are, mind you, morally and ethically culpable, but often we pretend as if it's in some way debatable whether they had some accountability. Yes, they had accountability. Please. People who participate in a livelihood and a project like the Manhattan Project know what they're participating in. And the notion that we could not have won the Second World War without the bomb is erroneous and absurd. It was done as a symbolic gesture for the war machine to be able to flex its strength. There are many other political mechanisms by which we as the world's people have ways to restrict, constrict, and diffuse nations and peoples who become violent, aggressive, and are not being nice humans to one another. Right? And they don't involve leaving radioactive fallout and killing 10,000 people in one fell swoop, like Hiroshima did. Right? And to make nuclear devices... Plutonium was needed. In order to manufacture plutonium, what they realized they needed was facilities to refine uranium. And yes, as many of you anticipate who already know this story, those facilities are 
nuclear power plants. Nuclear power plants were made entirely as manufacturing centers for the production of nuclear weapons and armaments. Entirely to refine uranium into plutonium and then send it to Rocky Flats in Colorado where they could assemble the bombs. So the plutonium is refined at a national web of power plants that then send the refined material to a place that is contaminated to the teeth and exposing its workers to horrific levels of radioactive contamination. And I tell you this story because I think it's important that we know our history and we know our history a little better and to give you a view on why I say I'm apolitical and skeptical even of whether the government is where the change is going to come from. The government follows. The change is going to come from, and this may sound like a more difficult beast to be enlisting into a open-minded and caring way of being, which is the American people. The American people. The consciousness of human beings, to put it more broadly. The values of individuals are what ultimately add up to organized social behavior. My focus as an educator, my focus as a permaculture activist has always been on values. We need a new set of values that are invested in our collaborative, cooperative ability to build better societies through honoring our togetherness, our interconnectedness, our history of deeply interwoven ancestry on this beautiful and amazing planet to which we belong, from which we have come. And the earth, absolutely, as I like to say, is our home. This is the working title of my book that is very close to coming out. Earth is our home. And this is because I have a strong sense that we've forgotten where we live. We aren't very tuned in to the planet. And we are very tuned into technological devices and what it is that we're hearing, seeing, paying attention to on them, in them. And the ability to turn off in order to turn on and tune in is critical as a practice to unlocking our deeper potentials. And so join me in this. Please, turn off. Turn off your visual screen. A little audio is a good old-school oral tradition form of stimulus. That's why I embrace the podcast medium. I very much enjoy spoken word. Oral traditions, as we know, if we 
get into our anthropology predate the written word by tens of thousands of years. We're talking about conservative estimate 90,000 years ago, Homo sapiens sapiens, as they're referred to in the Western nomenclature, comes about 90,000 years ago. And we have all the way until, oh, really not at the soonest, 5,000 years ago, the written word showing up. Places like the Tigris-Euphrates so they can keep track of debt and how much grain they have in their silo. Or, you know, more interesting, scapulomancy, where they're taking things like the shells of turtles and putting them in a fire and reading what the cracks in them indicate as a divination method. This started in ancient China as much as 7,000 years ago. But the actual written word and writing is a relatively recent phenomenon, at best in the last five to 3,000 years that it becomes really developed. And clearly, we know that not until the printing press do we begin to see mass distribution of printed documents. So for the bulk of our history, we are an oral-based spoken word species, and we still largely resonate with those modes of production. The visual medium, film, and acting on a screen, not in person, are all very recent phenomenons that have their, have their ingenuity. I'm not trying to take away from them. I'm simply saying that there is something fundamentally, viscerally, physiologically, and biologically different about listening to somebody telling you a story or sharing information with you through the auditory medium. And so I appreciate you connecting with me and giving your time and your attention to some of my thoughts on this thankfully, finally, rainy day here that we're having in the Northeast. And I welcome any conversation that folks want to have about any of the themes that I bring up in these podcasts. Be well. Enjoy your day on planet Earth. Check out our next class at permaculturenewyork.com.